Raise your hand if you're like horrible with directions. Yeah, a lot of you. I'd like to point out the fact that I see more girls' hands up than guys, but that's a little sexist of me. Is that the right word? Yeah, and uh, it's not even true. It's not even true. Girls are great drivers. Uh, I think it's especially hard if you're learning to drive, and many of you in here, sophomores, juniors, you're just starting to, you know, you, you, you went through driver's ed this summer, or you have your permit, and you're going to get it this year. Um, I think especially this, when it comes to directions, here's the thing, north, south, east, and west, this is what I hate. You know, now, okay, some of you, this is so easy now. You're on your third smartphone, and uh, whether you've had a smartphone or not, some of you have had three, you have the Maps app. So, like, how easy is that to get places? You're never going to struggle with directions ever. But back in the day, when I had to walk to school uphill both ways um, in two miles, uh, two feet of snow, buck naked, it was bad. A little horse, you know, the horse and the, the buggy didn't always, the horse was tired and it was snowing. Um, you had to stop at a gas station and ask the attendant for directions. And if they gave you this, and any 16-year-old who just got their license knows how bad this is. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for, you know, my Uncle Joe's house. He's out here. And the guy says, well, so you, you go north on Highway, you know, 22. And I just changed to, he's from Alabama, I guess. Highway 22, and go on that for five miles, and then you're going to go east, and then take your first left. No, he wouldn't say that. He would say, take a north. You want the east, or you want the right and the left, don't you? You're in high school, you're driving. Don't give me east and west. I have no idea what you're talking about. Give me right and left. So directions are kind of hard. Um, now, here's, here's three basic things that are true about directions. The first one is nobody gets lost on purpose, right? Nobody gets lost on purpose. The second thing is tied to that. The second thing is we don't know when we're getting lost. We just know when we suddenly are lost. Isn't that true? You've realized that? Um, you're driving along, you're driving along, and suddenly you just go, I have no idea where I am. Um, maybe you know where you are, but you're like, took, I mean, was supposed to turn, didn't turn. So here's my great illustration, and I asked permission from this student if I, uh, if I could share her story. So last night, Leslie and I went on a date, and um, Brooke Bukowski babysat for us. I don't know where Brooke is. I'm not going to point her out. Oh, she's right in front. So Brooke, who lives in Gretna, we're close to Gretna. We're at 156th and Harrison, and Brooke's coming to our house. But our neighborhood, where Leslie and I live, it's, a, it's like a maze. I mean, it's a mess. No streets are um, linear. They're not, you know, they just, to get into the neighborhood, it's a maze. And so Brooke is on her way, and there's a certain, she was coming through the neighborhood, and I get this text even. I took a picture of it. I thought, why not? Um, throw that up. All great. We set it up. You know, six o'clock. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, no problem. 6.05. See that? 6.05 p.m.? Yeah, I'm lost. I'm lost. Um, how do I get her to my house? iPhone app, or, you know, like the Maps app. It's brilliant. It's awesome. Um, you don't know that you're, you're getting lost. You suddenly just realize, I am lost. That's the second, like, rule of, or thing that's true about directions. But here's the last one, and this is a little more um, true and deep and like, huh. The last one is this. Whatever road you're on ultimately determines where you'll end up right? And that's not rocket science. Like, duh. Whatever road you're on ultimately determines where you'll end up. And we call this the path principle. 
Maybe you've never heard of that before, but we're calling it the path principle or the principle of the path. And the principle of the path says your direction determines your destination. Your direction determines your destination. See, if you were to load up all your beach gear and your sunscreen and wanted to go to Miami, Florida, wanted to go to the beach so badly, if you went out and got on the interstate and went north, you're never going to end up in Miami. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how badly you want to be at the beach. If you get on the interstate and head north, you're never going to make it to L.A. You're never going to make it to San Diego. You're never going to make it to New Orleans. Because the direction you take ultimately is what determines your destination. And we know that this path principle applies to driving, but what I want to talk about is how this principle also applies to our lives. The principle of the path applies to really every area of your, every area of your life, your future, um, your family, your friends, your faith even. We don't necessarily think about it like that, but it's always your direction. It's not your intention. It's not your hopes. It's not your dreams. It's not your prayers that determine the destination of your life. It's the direction you're going. And I'm even going to say this. It's not even the things that you say you believe that determine your destination. Ultimately, it's your direction. It's what you do. So often, I feel like as teenagers, we say we believe certain things, but our actions prove what we believe. Our actions prove what we say. They justify our words. And so none of those things Your direction, not your intentions, is what ultimately leads to your destination. Because for some reason, here's what happens. Um, We tend to think that intentions and hopes and dreams somehow trump the direction we're going. Maybe this summer you started school, and maybe you got to school, and you heard a story from a friend, a story of, um, of pain, maybe, something that happened over the summer. Uh, a breakup, a bad family fight, something that happened with your dad when you went to visit your dad. Um, And you are listening to your friend talk about frustration and anger and heartbreak. But maybe deep down, you saw that coming because you saw the path that your friend was heading down. And you you could, could have maybe said to them, like, what did you expect? I saw this coming a million miles away. If you guys have a Bible tonight, I want to grab, uh, ask you to grab your Bible And I want you to turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs, chapter 7. Right after the book of Psalms. Psalms is the biggest book, and uh, you can find that so easily. So turn to Proverbs, chapter 7. So tonight, you guys, and really for the next three weeks, as we start, we dive into this series called Road Signs. We're going to be talking about this principle and about just the choices that we're making and the direction we're going in our lives and what the road signs say. And so um, the book of Proverbs was, wit- was written by the wisest man who's ever lived. And maybe you want to challenge me on that, but challenge me all you want. King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And at one point, God asked Solomon what he wanted, and Solomon didn't ask for wealth or riches or power or fame. He asked for wisdom. And God gave him that and everything else combined. And so um, in chapter 7, I love the beginning of Proverbs, you guys. And this is wisdom literature, and the whole book of Proverbs is filled with, guess what it's filled with? Proverbs. And uh, they're like little wise sayings. But some of the stuff at the beginning of the book is fabulous, and uh, especially I feel like chapters 5 through 7. 
But in chapter 7, we get this window of Solomon looking down into the street, and he sees this young guy, and he totally realizes the outcome of this guy's journey. Um, Before we dive in, maybe don't start reading it yet, um, Solomon looks down and he sees this guy, and like I just kind of said, maybe you have a friend, I don't know who it is for you, maybe you Maybe you yourself or you, somebody you know, um, you know what path they're headed down. They've started doing stuff. For me, I've used this friend so many times teaching um, in Tribe or Oasis. But when I was in eighth grade, all through middle school, I had a great friend named Aaron Knight. And when I got into high school, Aaron, I knew, started going to parties a little more and a little more and a little more. And kind of wanted to be in the popular crowd, but um, never knew his dad. His, his dad kind of took off when he was really young. And Aaron would come over to my house for, uh, before school every day in middle school, and we'd drive to school together. My dad would take us. Um, but in, middle, or in high school, something a shift happened. And I've talked about this plenty, but as we, freshman year, sophomore year, I just knew he started going to parties and more parties. And it wasn't just alcohol. I knew, because he was very open with me about it, he started smoking weed. And, uh, and I know that in high schools in Omaha, if you go to public school especially, that's almost just as rampant now as alcohol and parties and all that stuff. But Aaron, I knew, because he, he had it once in my room, um, but I didn't want to go down the same path as Aaron. And I still regret to this day um, that I didn't, like, pursue him more. But I knew what happened. And then right after my sophomore year, we moved. We just, I was in Illinois. We moved to Kansas. I talked to Aaron maybe once or twice on the phone, once or twice a year. And eventually I hear um, that Aaron got busted for drugs at a party. And in the meantime, he decided to assault a police officer, and he tried to fight, and he went to jail, and his license was revoked. I don't know, this was almost five years ago now. He, uh, he knew he had a daughter, but he wasn't with the, the girl anymore, and he couldn't go see her because he didn't have a license. Um, there's a path people start to go down. And a lot, a lot of times, maybe we're on the path, but maybe it's a friend of ours, and we see it coming. I still regret to this day that I didn't go after Aaron harder because maybe I could have done something. Maybe I could have saved him from, from all of this heartache. This is where Solomon starts. Look with me at, chapter, or at verse 6. Verse 6 of chapter 7. It says, At the window of my house, this is Solomon writing, At the window of my house I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. Now there's a lesson here. I'm going to stop right there. There's a lesson here. You see, you hear what I just read? A youth who lacked judgment. Now, here's my lesson. Don't hate me for saying this. I'm still young myself. All youth lack judgment. Brad, don't say that. That's really mean. All youth lack judgment. That's what the Bible says. He saw a youth who lacked judgment. Now, you're, before you like are like, what? This is... This is I'm, my parents... As you get into high school, I've started to realize this. Once you get into high school, you start to think that you're so much smarter than your parents. Like, my parents are idiots. I, they're so out, out, of, out of touch with reality and old-fashioned, and they're so strict. Um, here's the thing. It's not bad that young people lack judgment. I, I still, I'm only, I'm 30. I guess it's starting to get old. Um, maybe I'm older than I... Lacking judgment, all it means, is, I'm saying when you get older and wiser and mature... Uh, or you, wait, as you get older, you get wiser and more mature. When you're young, it's just a matter of you haven't had a lot of life experience yet. Um, and here's the lesson. is not just, I went to Oasis tonight and Brad said, I'm dumb. Brad said, I'm, I'm dumb. <laughs> listen. Listen to the people that are older to you and you're like, your parents aren't idiots. They've been there. 
Those struggles that you had in high school, you're like, oh, it's not the same. No, it's a lot the same. They've walked where you've walked. They've faced the temptations you've faced. Your parents have. I just can't talk to my parents. Okay, you're Oasis leader. You're going to find out tonight. Everyone's in a small group. If not, you're going to get in one. Your Oasis leaders have been where you've been. A coach at school, a pastor, a teacher, a mentor. He says, I saw a youth who lacked judgment. And this is, um, let's keep going. Look at verses 8 and 9. It says, he was going down the street near her corner. Uh-oh, woman's involved. Mm, didn't see that coming. Near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. When at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. And we all know where this is going, don't we? I mean, it's bad enough, but you're like, oh, a young guy? Oh, sure. There's always a girl involved. You guys know this. Maybe you're here tonight because there's a girl involved. I don't know. He's going toward her house. I don't know how old this guy is. Um, We don't really know quite yet how old she is. But then check this out. Um, You pick it up at verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now on the street, now on the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, And with a brazen face, she said, I'm going to stop there. Whoa, all right? Now, uh, maybe you're sitting there thinking like, oh, that wasn't, you know, not so harmless until I just read that verse. Like, I don't know, he's just going to meet a friend or he's going to meet this lady and they're going on on a date. It's fine. It's harmless. Um, It doesn't say she was a prostitute. It doesn't say she is a prostitute, but she's dressed like one. But here's what we find. She's all over the place. Now in the streets, now in the market, wherever. She, at every corner, she lurks. What we find is this woman is, I don't know if she's a prostitute or not, but she's probably been around the block, so to say. She's probably been with a lot of guys. She's maybe um, gone after lots of young men. And yet, this guy is like, this guy's like, this is awesome. This is amazing. He was probably thinking like, I walked out to go by her house, and I went by her house intentionally because I thought she might be out. But she, she came out to find me. And she kissed me. You guys, what would happen? Some of you, some of you deep down have a, you've never done it, but you've had a temptation. You've had a fantasy. You've had something that you really want. What if at some point, somehow, for some reason, that thing was just set right in your lap? A certain guy at school, a senior, asks you to prom and you're only a freshman. Guys, I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be a girl like this, approaches you, kisses you. Um, What would you do? Like, you know that that thing would lead you down a path that's so wrong. You're at a party, and all you want to do is socialize, and your friends are there, and all you want to do is fit in, and all you want to do is not be at home on a Friday night. So you go to the party, but suddenly someone puts a joint in your hand, puts a beer in your hand, and you don't even think about it. I never thought I would do this kind of thing, Brad. I never thought I would be in this situation. But then suddenly it was just in my hand. What would you do? Let's keep going. End of verse 13. She took him, she kissed him with a brazen face. She said this, I have fellowship offerings. Now you're like, what? Now we're getting Old Testament, right? I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. 
So I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. So you're like, what's with this Old Testament talk? We don't understand this stuff today. But here's what's going on. This, like, fellowship offering and her, uh, what does she say? I fulfilled my vows. Basically, she's saying at this point in their culture, the Jewish culture, she must have went to the temple and, um, and given her sacrifice, poured out her offering on the altar. And essentially, it was as if she maybe thought, I have this big sin bucket. And uh, we think this way sometimes, I think. We go out and fill up our sin bucket all week long. Um, whatever, I'm just going to live however the heck I want to. I say I'm a Christian, but I'm just going to live however I want to. And we go out and fill up our sin bucket. And then on the weekends, we come to church, and we maybe feel really guilty, and we, we feel a lot of remorse, and, and we repent. Or if you're Catholic, you go to Mass, and you go to confession, and you just pour it all out to the priest. And you empty your sin bucket, Right? And maybe you're like, after this Christianity thing's really great. You can just sin and sin and sin and fill up your bucket. And then every week you can just go, and God forgives you. That's where you just tell the priest, and it's like, it's so great. And then you can go out and sin some more. What's this woman saying? She's pretty much saying that. She's saying, guess what, young man? I just went and I offered my vows. So like, me and God, we're good. I've washed my hands of it. Now let's jump into bed together. That kind of applies. Do you know, you have friends like that? Are you like that? I was like that in high school. I'm just going to like, I'm going to say whatever I want. I used to swear with the best of them just to fit in. I'd go to church on Sunday. My dad was the pastor, so I would like, ooh, I'd look good. I'd put on a happy face. I was the perfect little church, church boy. But man, we're all fake all during, the, all during the school year, all week long. It's hard. Sometimes as Oasis leaders, we really want to see the real you. I really wish I knew some of the struggles that you actually had. I wish I could take a picture of you walking through the hallway during the week at school. And I bet your small group leader wishes that too. Because I think sometimes it's so easy to come to Oasis and you put on the happy face. And you put on the perfect face. Because you're at church, right? I'm not going to let anything out that I don't want to let out. Um, But during the week, man, I'm mean to other people. Man, I'm harsh. So she says, we're good. God and I are good. Let's jump into bed. Look at verse 16. Now it's just, we, he takes it up a notch. Um, verse 16, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. That was like, you know, the New York City of the day. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Whoa! Look out! We just brought out the aloes and the cinnamon, folks. This just became PG-13, took it up to an R rating. Ladies, tomorrow at school. Leave the perfume, cover your body with aloe vera, and then sprinkle on some cinnamon. <laughs> See what happens. See if the guys find you delightful. Seriously, what is going on? Well, you know what's going on. Dressed like a prostitute, comes out, kisses him. I've made myself right with God. Come to bed with me. Come, verse 18. Look at this. This is in the Bible. You guys ever read Proverbs 7 before? Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Get this. Verse 19, my husband. You kidding me? This is a soap opera. This is days of our lives. This is (laughs) the bachelorette times 10. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. Whoa. Whoa. She's not a prostitute. She's married. She mentions her husband and has, could care less that she's cheating on her husband. Um, wow. Wow, i got to keep moving. 
at once. Oh no, verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him, what? She led him astray. Man, she took him to his greatest night ever, and man, it was a fantasy come true. No, no, no. Solomon says, I'm the older, wiser man looking at this. Some of you go, Solomon, you sound a lot like my mom and dad. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest night ever. She led him astray, and she seduced him with her smooth talk. Get this. He starts getting vivid. little imagery here. All at once, this is verse 22, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. That's what you find in the Bible. All the illustrations are like with animals, right? They lived in an agrarian society, animals and farming. Like a deer stepping into a noose. Can't you just picture this? Deer steps into a trap, hangs the deer up, boom, out of the corner of your eye. Hunters just load this deer full of arrows. Just fill them up. Solomon says, that's what this young man is like. Greatest night ever. Oh, prom night. It's going to be so great. Some of you are like, that's what this was. No, it's just a date. It's just prom. It's just a party I went to. It's just, I just looked at that thing once online. I just, I just did that with him one time. I won't do it again. This is not just a one-time event. You guys, Solomon says it's a path, and it leads to a destination. It's a road. Uh, one more analogy, verse 23, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, suddenly Solomon stops. He ends with the narrative, and he, he points to us, his sons and daughters. He says, now then, my sons, my daughters, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. And note this, he says, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her what? Her paths. It's not just a one-time event. He goes, look out. This kind of stuff will take you down. I'm not saying don't date in high school. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying you can't go have fun. I'm not saying parties are like necessarily off limits. I don't know. Maybe there's some great clean parties out there. But whatever you do, what path are you on? You've got to ask yourself that question. Do not stray down her path. Verse 26, many are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. And he closes with this. Her house is a what? Is a highway to the grave. There's more road imagery. It's a path. It's a road. It's a highway leading down to the chambers of death. You go, Brad, really? I mean, is it that serious? Like, can you not just have fun with another person? Be careful. I'm just saying be careful. What choices are you making? And once you start to go down that path, as some of you in here know, it's very, very hard to make a U-turn. You're just in the rut. You started it once, now it's every night. Now it's, it's every day after school. I don't know what it is for you, this woman is for you, but it's, it's not just a date. It's not just a one-time event. It's a path. Here's the shocker. This is the Bible. In fact, this is the Old Testament. I mean, seriously, read Proverbs 7 before? There's good stuff in here. This was written, you guys, 3,000 years ago. And I don't care what anybody's told you. It's not myth. This book is real. I mean, I fully believe that a guy named Solomon was king, and he wrote this. And you know what? King Solomon's not a guy lacking with experience in this. Sometimes read the book of Ecclesiastes. 
Solomon tries everything to satisfy himself. He tries women. He tries mansions and gardens and anything that money can buy him. And in the end, he just goes, nothing, everything's going to go away except God. It's me and God. Someday I'm going to meet my maker. It's me and God. So how do we apply this? Our culture so, so often hands us a disconnect that says, as long as your intentions are good, you're fine. As long as your intentions are good, you're going to make it to the proper destination. But that's not true. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. If you haven't written that down yet, write it down. Or maybe it's just running through your brain. The direction of your life, not your intentions, is what ultimately determines your destination. This guy in Proverbs 7, I think he had the right, all the, I mean, he, maybe he had the right ideas. Maybe he thought he was going down the wrong path. But all it did was take him around a corner to a certain lady's house, and Solomon said, it's going to end in death. So I don't know what it is with you. Maybe you're like, I want to end up with a great Christian guy someday. I really hope to marry a great Christian guy someday. But in the meantime, you just start dating anybody who asks you out, as long as they're cute. You say, I really want to get in the Word. I really want to study the Bible. I want to be a godly person. And I know people that have done that, but instead in the morning when I get up, I'm just going to check my Facebook. I'm just going to read my Twitter account, my Twitter feed. Get in the Bible. Now, here's one final thing. Before I say that, here's, here's one application point. Who's the voice? There's somebody needs to be in your life to be that voice for you that when you start walking down a path, you have to have somebody in your life that you give permission to, to say, Brad, if you see me walking down that path, will you please tell me? Will you please be straight with me? I trust you. If you see any tinge of that, will you tell me? Who's that voice in your life? Is it your oasis leader? Is it a parent? Is it a coach? Is there somebody who can be that voice of reason? Is it your best friend? Leave here tonight and say to your, say to your best friend, say, will you be that voice to me? I'm not trying to talk you into something. Man, I hope you're strong and talk me out of it. Now, before I close, don't miss this. And here's where the grace of God comes in. And this is what makes this a Christian teaching, not just a Mormon teaching or a Jewish teaching. There's going to come a point in your life where you do walk down the wrong path, where you do make a wrong choice, where you do, maybe you're starting down that path, Maybe you go halfway down. Heck, maybe you go full force all the way down that bad road and you, you know what's coming at the end, but you don't care because you're going through whatever. You just go, I want it. You go, I'm a Christian, I think, but I don't care. There's going to come a point in your life when you do walk down the wrong path. What do you do? Here's the thing. You guys, only Christianity, only Christianity offers you an alternative, at the point where you say, this was stupid, I'm an idiot, why did I choose this? And you turn and you cry out to God and say, God, give me, give me something. God, give me hope. I want you to rescue me. Only at that point can the Christian cry out to God and find hope. Because only Christianity, you guys, is not based on the basis of karma. It's on the basis of grace. And karma is utterly opposed to grace. And every other religion essentially says, your good has to outweigh your bad. Which is why you maybe all know people that get to that point in their life and they turn and they say, nah, forget God. I've gone too far down the path. I've strayed too far. I've done too much. I've slept with too many people. 
I can't do it. God doesn't want me anymore. Maybe you've heard someone say that. That's karma. And grace is utterly opposed to it. You guys, only Christianity holds out a Savior to you that says, cry out to Jesus. And the whole point of Christianity is that he's a substitute. That Jesus, you guys, was our substitute. And that his death is given to us. And his righteous life is imputed to us. And all you need to do is to cry out to him. But don't abuse it. Don't do what I did, what I said earlier, that you empty your sin bucket and fill it up right away again. Only Christianity offers you a substitute because Jesus paid your ransom for you. The essence of Christianity is Jesus, his record given for yours, and he takes all your sin and you get all his righteousness. So do not forget that. In the midst of all this stuff, don't come to church and hear me say, I'll just go out and try harder and do more. Yeah, do. And at some point when you have Jesus on your side, man, I hope you live it strong. Man, I hope you don't feel like you're a failure or just keep filling up your sin bucket so you can empty it. But when you do, do not forget what I just said. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Okay? Your direction, not your intention, is what determines your destination. So the question is, what path are you on and where is it taking you? Let's pray. God, we need this. I thank you for an unwise choice by a young man 3,000 years ago and what it has to teach us today. In the year 2013, God, thank you for your sacred scriptures, the Bible. Thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. Thank you for reminding us tonight that it's not our intentions that lead to a destination. It's our direction. So God, we ask you to help us. We ask you to give us the courage to make the right choices. Because God, this is not easy. High school is not easy. And we need you and we need each other. And we need a voice in our life that can point us in the right direction. God, help us with that. Help us to seek that person out. And thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that the essence of the gospel is that you took our place. You're our substitute. And God, we can bank on that. Even though it was 2,000 years ago, the cross fixed it for us. And when we repent and give our lives to you, God, we get your full righteousness. And God looks at us and he sees the perfection of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.